Welcome back to Forever Broken, where we attack the stigma surrounding mental health and say, come on, you sons of bitches, do you want to live forever? I am Derek Thompson, and with me as always is Gabriel Brew and TJ Davidson. TJ, why don't you introduce Gil here? So tonight, our special guest is Mr. Gilbert Keith. I've known this man for many, many years. Um, He's a pretty upstanding citizen. Gil, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is Gil. I'm uh, 50 years old. I joined the Navy back in 1989. Uh, served on board the John F. Kennedy for a little while. Went greenside after that. Uh, chose a squadron that had a tail hook that wasn't going back to the aircraft carrier. Uh, so I did get a chance to go see the other side of the world a little bit. Uh, got out in 98. Uh, kind of missed the camaraderie and the fellows. So the closest thing for me was the fire service. Uh, got on in 2000, and I've been a paid member ever since. Awesome, man. That's what I like to hear. I mean, that's kind of our background, uh, dealing with, you know, Navy corpsmen and, you know, me being a fire paid firefighter for the last 10 years. Uh, moved on now, but, uh, yeah, I know the life well. So we're uh, happy to have you here. Um, and we're going to try something new tonight. I'm just going to, uh, breeze over some current events to kick this whole shit show off so we can, uh, pretend like we're actually providing something educational. Um, so in current events right now, uh, in a turn for the best, COVID-19 is hitting the nation's capital, uh, like a pimp who didn't get his money. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, A.G. Garland, and, uh, the... Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo are the latest to fall ill to the overhyped illness. Uh, To me, uh, what I took of note from this whole thing is that the media is now more and more often referring to drunk Pelosi as the second in line for the presidency. Just think that's a little bit uh, suspicious myself. Uh, secondly, Katanji Brown was confirmed for her seat on the Supreme Court, making a landslide win for uh, men pretending to be women, uh, as she's not a biological or biologist, and the pedophile she's been defending over her career as a judge. So, great pick, Mr. President. And last but not least, Hunter Biden's laptop is back in the news, uh, and I think it's the New York Post or the Times, one of the two of them, uh, they confirmed that it was indeed a real laptop, which is something that we all knew about three years ago when this initially came out. Uh, this bombshell will likely begin the era of Joe Biden denouncing his own son for his wrongdoings. Uh, and the media will focus on the drugs and sex photos and completely ignore all of the Ukrainian collusion committed by the Bidens. So... That's a quick wrap-up of uh, some of the news here lately, and these uh, stories have been brought to you by Never Broken News. And Gil, back to you. (laughs) So, what are we going to talk about? Oh, we can dive into a lot of things. I mean, I think it'd be, we'll kind of go, if it's me, I think we just start and go, what do you want to call that, Uh, by years, we'll start the earliest, uh, and just kind of talk about your service and what you had going on there, what you got to do, and some of the stuff you witnessed. Uh, the word well, you're looking for uh, is chronological, my man. That's the one. Chronological. Well, 
Somebody's got to be. Joined the Navy 89. Uh, went to boot camp San Diego back when uh, San Diego was still open. Uh, from there, went to core school in San Diego. I'm trying to think. Left there, ended up in Pensacola for aviation med tech school. Uh, yeah. From there, I ended up in Norfolk, Virginia, using a VMFA 120, that was VAW 126 first off. Uh, E2C Hawkeyes, we were on board the USS John F. Kennedy. Uh, did a couple of what? A couple of uh, med cruises on board. Did Desert Storm on board. Uh, left there. <clears throat> Time was up. Uh, went Greenside, uh, Fort Johnson, uh, North Carolina to uh, uh, FMS school. Uh, left there, ended up down in Beaufort, South Carolina, attached to VMF A122. And uh, got to do a couple of Westpacs. Those were kind of fun. See the other side of the world a little bit. Uh, got out, uh, left there, ended up out in uh, Tinker Air Force Base on the backside with uh, Tacmo. And uh, got out from there. Uh, had gotten a divorce since I'd been here. And the wife moved back to South Carolina, and that state ain't big enough for two of us. So we uh, decided to stay here and put him application, and lo and behold, 18 months later, I got on the fire service and haven't looked back. Yeah, so you've been uh, so, lucky ever since. So as a corpsman, did you ever have to administer, or get to, however you want to look at that, administer the uh, silver bullet? Which silver bullet are we referring to? The thermometer. Is this a comment? Is it, I figured this was a corpsman joke. Or pecker checker, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we like to refer to it as a penis machinist. Um, a little more high tech. Uh, no, no ass thermometers for me. Well, that's disappointing. Unfortunate. You know the, you know the difference between an oral, oral thermometer and a rectal thermometer, right? The taste. The taste. The taste. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, the only silver bullet I like is uh, Coors, so. And even that's a stretch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, either one of them is going to stretch you, bud. Yeah, that's a fact. Either (laughs) way, my butthole can't handle it, so. Uh, Lesson learned. Turns out you're not supposed to chug uh, Coors up your ass, but. Sure. that is frowned upon by management. Yeah, just management though. The rest of the normal guys, they they appreciate it. Just um, don't do it at work. Yeah, simple as that. Amongst those nine years, I did work in the Navy clinic, and you'd be surprised what people will put in their bunghole. Hey, you know what? <laughs> uh, Always tie a string to it first. Yeah, having you know been in the fire service the last ten years. Speaking of fire service, <laughs> ambulance. That was an EMT, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> fire service. Still the same thing. Uh, anyway, now the, yeah, no, we, we've, uh, seen our fair share of things that you wouldn't expect to find, uh, up people's butts, uh, like, uh, what was the eggplant? What the fuck? Yeah. Well, maybe you wouldn't expect to find that there. Yeah, I guess I wasn't expecting it, but, you know, it is what it is. You just deal with it. Uh, so to lean on to uh, what TJ was saying, so with your time as a corpsman, 
what was your kind of day-to-day life like doing that? Uh, typical clinic work, you know, unless the ship was going out and then we'd, we'd board and we just became part of the crew working down in the medical clinic. Uh, did a lot of, uh, being squadron side, you know, we did a lot of flight physicals, uh, things of that nature, kept the, the pilots in line, uh, as far as sight and hearing and all that stuff. It was all annual, you know, re, re, uh, Oh yeah. Annual requirements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes did sense. you go into the did you go into the Navy like knowing you wanted to do medical service or was that just kind of like an afterthought once you figured out you qualified to do that no that's what I wanted to do uh, of course you know I'm a I'm a third generation firefighter my my son is a fourth generation fighter he works for Clemson University now but awesome. I got my EMT license in 1987 my first one and uh, like I said, joined the joined the Navy in '89. I thought, man, that'd be a cool field, and just kind of, kind of kept it up, and you know, let a lot of that EMT stuff slide. Didn't have to have it when we were in the military, and then got out, and I guess I got my paramedic in 2000. I've had it consistently since then. Yeah, and that's so, uh, all the responsibility falls on you. Uh, there's a bunch of it. Yeah, I understand that. I fun fun thing for me i had just finished my paramedic school and then i uh fell through a floor of a fire and uh never got to uh finish getting my goddamn license so that was fun all that school for nothing well it happens yeah it does you know what can you do but uh yeah not about me so anyway so in your time it kind of seems like you know you you ended up a lot of places you you know uh, on boats, you were on land, uh, around the world and about the place. Um, so you probably worked with, I would imagine, kind of sounds like, at least in some form or facet, uh, all the branches, except for maybe maybe the Army. I don't know. Yeah, no, not really Army. We Air Force, of course, we were just on the base. So, yeah, of course, you know, Marines hate to admit it, but they are Department of the Navy. Yeah, and uh, so. I'm the first one to admit it, and I'm not going to say some stupid gay shit like, we're the men's department. Yeah, we, we, we fought those battles. Yeah, it just sounds stupid, and uh, I don't buy into that. <clears throat> but So in your time serving with kind of the, like the other folks, what was what was your best time? Who did you have the a good relationship with, and what made that relationship, I guess, special? Well, you know, I really don't know if it was. I would think my best time in the military is was probably my last cruise, and the fact was that we discovered, you know, after eight years, that you didn't have to see the world through the bottom of a beer glass. So, you know, it wasn't the first port we hit. It was, uh, you know, go out and do some things and then go get drunk. But we got to see Pompeii. That was pretty cool. You know, when yeah, we were over in Italy. Awesome. You know, Greece was beautiful. Uh, Turkey. You know, on the southern border, uh, Antalya was pretty. Istanbul was a, it was an eye-opener. Well, it's not so Constantinople. People, well, very true, very true. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a different world over there, man. You know, people want to badmouth this country, but until you go over there and you see how other people have to live, we went to something called a compound one night, and, you know, it reminded me of a 
of a prostitution ring. All these girls were in these glass windows as you walk through this. It was a gated community. And come to find out that they were there. They were daughters, mothers and daughters paying off their husbands or dads debt to society. Really? And this would have been back in the early nineties. Yeah. Holy shit. So and they're just behind a five foot by five foot glass piece. And you just say, I want turns that. Out, turns out Webster's Dictionary was right, dude. <laughs> That's from a previous episode. So, so if you can't pay it, they're just going to they'll fuck you out of it one way or another. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they're going to get it one way or another. And I guess Dad's in there until they make enough money. I don't know, but this know. Is, we did not contribute. It was, it, was, it was something a little different, but... No, this is me you see having, how those people live. This is me having stupid knowledge. This actually reminds me of like the creation of Saint Nick. Uh, so a father, <laughs> his wife died. This is the true story, I swear to God. This father, his wife di- his wife dies, and he, he doesn't have any fucking money to like pay the pay to have his daughter's uh married you know like he can't pay the uh, whatever the word for that is um i'm brain farting on words today but he can't pay, pay for the his, wedding kind of like the term for where you yeah, yeah I, I know what you're talking where they pay the dad for the yeah, daughter the dad has to pay where they give the to gifts marry their daughter yeah like he couldn't pay that right so naturally being a good dad his first thing was like i got it my daughter's I'll prostitute him. Like any good dad would do, uh, apparently. So, I think it's, I'm hoping it's before this happens, uh, before he gets him prostituted, but I could, who knows. But basically what ends up happening is they find out he can't afford, and like, anything. Uh, he can't, like, survive. And this guy sneaks in the chimney to drop off gold because the guy was too proud to take money from anyone. So the guy just, this guy named Nick sneaks in through the chimney, leaves the gold, deuces. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know, maybe he was like, maybe the daughters were like, what do you want? He's like, I don't know what your dad was going to give, make you do anyway. But who knows? But yeah, that's actually how uh, St. Nick and Santa Claus came to be, which it's just weird that that's where that how that all reminded me of that. But it's weird that you know that. Yeah, that's, that's the, what I'm saying. <laughs> I have super weird knowledge for absolutely no reason other than just it's stuck up there. I'm um, pretty sure you just saw that on a Christmas edition of a porno, and you decided that that was facts. So maybe that's what it. Well, was. no, that's not it. No, it's uh, that's actually one of the origin stories for Santa Claus, and that, that's why Saint Nick is actually the patron saint of prostitutes. And the Easter Bunny used to be a pizza delivery boy. No, 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 no. The Easter Bunny found your mom when she got stuck in the washer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> So on that note, how did you end up getting pew, into pew, 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 pew. Now there's a Hallmark movie for you. I'm thinking of Hallmark Christmas next year. If I don't see Saint Nuck, Saint Nick's prostituting his Saint kids, <laughs> that would be. A I'm going to feel really cheated. Yeah, that would be a really good Hallmark movie. I'd actually finally start liking the Hallmark Channel. Lifetime. Yeah, or Lifetime. 
Either way, man. The, the Oprah Winfrey Network, dude. Oh yeah. Oh. Then we'd end up with we'd end up a dark, dark road there. Wow. Wow. So, anyways, what? how did you get into the uh, like working horse shows and uh, being the EMT for like the USTRC and stuff like that? Well, I uh, had a guy that was on the job, and they used to have a huge EMS company, and that was their their uh, go to was the horse industry. So I kind of got into the whole uh, working with those guys, and that they split, and it was kind of weird because I'd work the same show when it came to like the quarter horse shows. They quarter horse association was like man you guys just decide who's going to do what well some days i'd work for one and then one day i'd work for the next guy while they were at the fire station it just became a became a deal and then uh started my own company you know when one was like oh man start your company and you know see if you can't take over some of his shows and then lo and behold the other associations from the other guy started calling me and they just we're no longer friends we're competitors Hmm. type deal so but I do. I do EMS coverage for uh, most of the major associations. Um, I do a lot of children's charity stuff down there in Fort Worth. And uh, probably my biggest and my favorite show would be the uh, Rain Cow Horse Guys that march for the million. I do a lot of stuff, uh, uh, you know, for uh, oh, the guy from Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan. Oh, no shit. He, yeah, he does some of that stuff. And, I mean, he's a producer, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a producer. He rides some and. So they got the run for the million coming up, you know, the, the reigning horse guys, and that's interesting too. Yeah, that's awesome. Those guys are all from North Texas, but yeah, do the paint horse stuff, all the Appaloosa stuff. Just kind of a different different deal. Some days they let me drive the tractor, some days I don't do anything but sit on a golf cart. Hey, that sounds like a good time. I'd be happy to sit on a golf cart. Yeah. Doesn't sound too bad at all. Pays pretty good. Yeah. It actually helped me out quite a bit. There's a, a few times where he hooked me up with a couple of gigs out there working the cattle crew, the USTRC. Yep. Oh, we did do that, didn't we? Yeah. 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 Back when it was in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Last time I did it was, I want to say 2013. I was, I was still in the Marine Corps, and I was about to get out. And I came home on leave, and they had the big rope in there in the city, and I went up there and worked the rest of my week doing that. My kids used to come home talking about taking George Stra- George Strait's rope off of, off of their cow, and my wife was like, "Oh, there's no way, there's no way." And she'd come out, and he'd eat lunch with us, you know, down in a little uh, staff area, just to stay away out of the ma- the main population. And right. so, the kids got to meet him. He's a pretty cool dude. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's they don't call him the king for nothing. No. What the? Yeah, I've actually met a few here? people out there. Huh? It looks like you're trying to find a dick to put in your mouth. He's putting his hands up. Mind your business. (laughs) Popo behind you? Yeah, I gotta get prepped. I'm two shades darker in khaki. I gotta assume the position. Nah, you're you're just the right color. (laughs) No. I was fixing my rear view mirror so I could see, dude. Damn. Yeah, that's probably a fair fair thing to do. I like that we're doing a podcast and Gabe's driving. Whoa, shh. I mean, not driving. I pulled over. Yeah, it's not going against your, you know, minutes, so you're good. I mean, I'm actually hands-free anyway, so it really wouldn't matter. 
Yeah, you're good. So, anyway, other than getting to meet fascinating people, what else do you uh, enjoy getting to do about it? Uh, well, hunting and fishing and woodworking. I built a couple saddle stands for trophy saddles and stuff. That's kind of fun. So for guys that win them things, I got tired of seeing my friends win them $5,000 saddles and they give them to them on them ugly little metal folding saddle stands. Right. So I built a bunch for the Paint Horse Association. And so That's I, get a lot, I give I give away more than I more than I sell by far, but it's fun. Keeps me in the shop and yeah, that's what matters. I mean, finding something that you enjoy doing. So, and I, that it's a good segue into this question here. I think um, over all the years, and you know, I know the fire service fairly decent. And I know, you know, one in or was it seven out of ten firefighters will develop PTSD of some sort. Um, you know. And in the service, I think that number's probably even higher than that. I, don't, I know we don't probably accredit it the way we should. Uh, have you developed any sort of, you know, anything like that? Depression, anxiety, PTSD, or something, you know, that... I think everybody does. I think a lot of that has to do with, with how you choose to cope. And firefighters are, you know, they're, they're a little different. You know, they're, theirs is their humor. You know, you can go back and meet, you can make a joke about, you know, the death or something that you just saw. Uh, police do it too. There, there's, it's kind of ironic, you know, have you ever met a cop that his only friends are other cops? Yeah. It's just because it's a brotherhood. You know, those guys, they just figure out how to, how to cope. I mean, firefighters are the same way. Ours is usually jokes around the dinner table or, you know, something along the side. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll have guys that they've just, they've had enough. Right. I got a buddy from Elmore City. You know, I looked up one day, he's retired. I called him, I said, what's the deal? He said, dude, I've seen my last dead kid. So just hit him, hit him hard, you know, 27 years in the department. And, you know, he wanted to do 30 and you look back and he's done. Yeah, I totally understand that. We uh, had the pleasure of talking with the author and former firefighter, Nick Wingo, and talked to with him on one of our episodes earlier. And he talked a lot about that. Uh, and in his book, he talks about it a lot too, where, you know, you just, you're not, when you're in these professions, you have to lose empathy. I mean, we're not very empathetic because we can't be. I mean, if we take everything we see personally, we're never going to make it in the field. You know, so like you said, I mean, it's how you cope. And... That's what I was saying is a great segue. It seems like some of the stuff you do, like getting in your shop, that's a healthy way for you to cope with some of the stuff that you deal with. You got to find a balance. I mean, there's, yeah, and you got to learn not to bring it home with you. And that's tough. You know, I think one of the things I did very early in my career is that, you know, I, I lived in the city and I worked in the city and I ran on my next door neighbor one time. And I'm like, you know what? That's enough. I, I'm moving out of town. I, I live an hour south. You know, because I don't want to run on my neighbor's kids. You know, you talked right. about responsibility. I don't want to be the guy to make that call. So just to touch on that, here in Oklahoma, the city is Oklahoma City. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, there's, yeah, and I totally get what you're saying because when in my, 
I was actually stationed in the third district of our uh, town when I was back in Nebraska. And basically, every single person in my family or my wife's family was in my district. Um, I, you know, ended up getting pretty fortunate over the years. You know, I spent a lot of time going and helping with my wife's grandfather, uh, but I never had to code him or do anything like that. So I, I felt pretty blessed and I got pretty lucky over my career doing that. Um, but, uh, another thing you said is not taking it home. And I, we had talked to this with Nick too, and it was, it led to something that I think stuck out to Gabe a lot too, that we really liked how he said it. It's sanitized statements. So in going home, it's not necessarily keeping work away from home. It's just saying what you need to, so that you're finding, like you said, find that balance. So I'm just saying, hey, I had a bad shift. That way, you're offering whoever's at home with you the chance to be like, help, you know, feel like they've helped you. I mean, you don't have to go into depth with everything, but just saying what you need to say so that they know how you're feeling. And that's something that we've been really big on, and I can't give these guys enough credit. Uh, for but checking in with, with me and actually making me talk about my feelings it's something that I think as men we just get really far away from uh, is talking about feelings and you know that we, we just don't do that you know yeah I completely understand and there's a good segue because the fact that here uh, I got two really good buddies you want to talk about people that just with golden hearts uh, we have a organization here in Oklahoma called Operation Freedom Outdoors and we do hunting and fishing trips for veterans and EMS firefighter personnel and it's amazing that you know it's not the trip that brings those guys together it's the dinner table or you know it's sitting around a campfire you know to where they can actually relate one-on-one -on -one with another guy you know somebody that's tasted the same dirt you know we they've done right. the same things and it's really kind of a, you know, a, a big plus. Yeah, Those guys are awesome too. I was in, uh, I actually went through the firefighter one course with uh, two of them. Uh, one of which I'm pretty sure is the president of the uh, OFO. But anyways, uh, I, I would like to actually get uh, him on the show one of these days. But yeah, as I was say, and uh, we'll plug him here too. I mean, you know, we'll throw their information into the. Uh, links or you know the yeah either one of those guys or i think they're they're both volunteer firemen but neither one had any military background whatsoever and somebody gave him a challenge coin the other day and he didn't know what challenge coins were i thought man that's the greatest idea so i've ordered challenge coins you know with our logo on the front and then fire ems yeah. on the back to give those guys to every hunter that we take out and it's not it, it's it's not turkey it's not deer i mean they went to hunt for morel mushrooms you know, earlier this week, just grabbed a bunch of guys up and, you know, we had rattlesnake hunts. We had our first uh, all-female duck hunt this year, wow, all-female awesome. veterans. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds incredible. And you said that was Operation Freedom Outdoors? Yep. Yeah, you can awesome. follow them on Facebook. They're OFO. Yeah, well, They're just uh, good dudes. We'll get yeah, them in. They're pretty awesome. We'll get their uh, link in here and make sure we're supporting them and uh, getting that done. Then, TJ, go ahead and. 
try to get in touch with them and we'll bring them on and you know there's a support that. and there's there's organizations like that all across the country that we've discovered so i mean it's you know it, reach out to me shoot out to me something we if, if there's somebody out there that's that's fighting that and they want to you know get together with a bunch of like guy you know guys that are have tasted the same dirt or whatever you know we, we can find them somebody get them help yeah and that's what we want to start doing here or at least that's something i want to start doing is i really want to start bringing in some of these organizations like that and build up this collection of you know people around us that we can be like you know oh hey you want to go hiking cool we've got a guy for that hey you want to go hunting cool we've got a guy for that you want to go paint we got a guy for that too it would be great and incredible for us to start building those you know connections with people and getting a chance to spread their word and be able to you know get these people the help that they need i mean that's what we started this whole thing for is to start doing that and getting people exactly what it is they need and let them know that we can help so yeah i know that's kind of our end goal or one of our end goals is to eventually be able to offer something like that so um you know as we grow bigger and bigger like we hope to do that's something we're going to be looking into there's a ton of programs out there and there's never enough, it seems like, you know what? Yeah, very true. Because, I mean, it's just, the numbers are crazy. And uh, just to kind of skip back to what we were talking about with the coping, I mean, there's positive coping and there's negative coping. And I think something that's very underrated, we talk about 22 veterans a day kill themselves, right? But we don't talk about the number of veterans and people in general that overdose a day. Cause I know, and actually I think Oklahoma leads the country in veteran suicide. I think your numbers average about 27 a day. Actually, you would be correct. Yeah. Um, which is just a terrible thing. But so that gives us kind of a reference point. I think the number is 35 people a day overdose. And die. And that does, you know, that doesn't get thrown out there. So there's just a lot of other ways that we need to be helping these folks. And, you know, it's a matter of getting them the right resources to stay away and learn co healthy coping. Um, that's what we want to do. That's, that's why I love doing this. This is my healthy coping right here. Getting to have conversations and talk and just have a good time. I mean, this is my therapy session. I mean, I love it. So, Gil, with the uh, American Legion, I wanted to bring that up also. What exactly does the American Legion do? Yeah, it's, there, there's, there's many facets to it. And the problem that we have now is with the, uh, the younger generation. Everybody thinks, you know, like the VFW or, you know, the American Legion, there's a stigma that goes along with that. You know, that it's a bunch of Vietnam veterans in there, you know, drinking beer. And, you know, if you didn't, weren't in Vietnam, you know, you ain't shit. And that's the, that's the stigma that we're trying to get over. Our chapter here in Washington, Oklahoma, we're post-310. Uh, we tend to focus more on community-type stuff, um, putting on softball tournaments and, you know, more community-involved. We, we've tried to stay away from the bar scene. 
You know, we don't want a bar just because, you know, of course, then you get your, you know, your, your drunks and things like that. You know, those guys have a way to, a way to feed their vice. So we chose to stay away from the bar, but we've got some softball tournaments coming up. We've got some other stuff. We try to send some high school kids to, uh, to boys camp, uh, try to get them involved in politics a little bit, uh, just kind of fuel that fire, you know, that they might have. A lot of that stuff is voted on by the students at the high school. I think we're sending two kids this year uh, to boys camp. Um, and I think it's up in Indiana or something this year. But we'll have two representatives, you know, from, from our area that go. But there's a, I mean, there's a ton of things, you know, that the Legion does. And, and the Legion and the VFW are completely different. Uh, you know, they've changed the... Uh, um, requirements for v, for the American Legion if you've served one day active duty. So, you know, it didn't have to be during wartime. It doesn't have to be during like that. But again, that's another avenue to hang out with guys that are like-minded, you know, and meet some community heroes. You guys, you have people walking your community that you have absolutely no idea what they've gone through. You know, that dude in the, in the World War II cap was once the badass, the most badass dude ever. We've got a guy in our in our chapter here. Uh, he was actually on board the USS Missouri when the Japanese come on board to surrender for World War II. That's wild. I mean, it's just it's just cool. I mean, it, and he could be your next door neighbor, and you'd never know. Yeah, I have man. two World War II veterans left, and that's the only two we got. You know, still to go. And this is a really small, small community. Yeah, yeah. Well, and like they say, I mean. Oklahoma, I think, yeah, you guys are the heaviest veteran population. So, I mean, that's a neat thing. Um, I actually just joined the Legion here like last week. This week? This week. Last week. I don't remember. Welcome aboard. Yeah. So, uh, you know, trying to get things done. I got in touch with uh, the, I know you guys also have, you know, veteran service officers and are able to help veterans with like their compensation and pension and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, and you, there's a lot of resources that I think people don't realize are offered. We're lucky enough to have Dale Graham and that guy is amazing to look him up. You know, he come home from Vietnam and decided that the government wasn't doing enough, but there's no telling what that guy's, you know, gotten people over the course of, he's got a huge center here in Norman. So I don't know how many people they help a day, but and then he see uh, facilitates that with volunteers that are veterans that come in that can kind of feed, you know, the need and you know they know what you've been through. So it's a uh, he's a good dude. They're all very approachable and yeah. very knowledgeable on you know your wording and, and how to handle your paperwork and what you need to turn in first. And it's it's a pretty great program that he has going. I was going to say, I've noticed just in general talking to uh, folks in the organization already. I mean, they're just, they, they get it. Uh, they understand, you know, like you had said, that, you know, they've taste, tasted the same dirt. And, you know, so it's kind of neat getting to talk to them. And um, I'm excited to get to talk to the, my, for my VSO appointment here next week. But um, I know you're also doing 100 Miles for Hope uh, right now, which, uh, if people want to donate to, that'd be awesome. I believe it's, uh, you know, all the stuff you're saying. So to support the high schoolers and send them on trips and do all this fun stuff and 
these unique opportunities, they all start somewhere and it comes from channeling in money and where it's a nonprofit organization, you know, that money's got to come from somewhere. Um, so if people want to go out and check out the American Legion website, they also have the Veterans and Children Foundation. There's just yeah. a ton of stuff that the yeah, Legion does. And they've got um, organizations for your family, you know, your the sons and, you know, guys that didn't serve, but if, if you want to be, they, they've got a, a motorcycle group called Legion Riders. I mean, there's just a hundred ways to get involved. Yeah, there's just a ton of things. So I would encourage people to get out there, uh, check it out and, you know, be a part of it. I mean, that's the best thing you can do is if you want to help go out there, volunteer, I mean, no one's that's something that I think we've fallen out with as a generation now is volunteering is kind of everyone just kind of frowns upon it and no one really feels like they have the time we're such a go 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 society yeah. everybody's gotten busy we don't yeah. build sidewalks we need to build jogging trails yeah I mean nobody you gets together with their life. neighbors I mean we just don't gather anymore you know like like was cool back in the day yeah you know, we don't, we don't enjoy life. We sit here and we rush through it and there's no need for that. So I would encourage people absolutely find a way to volunteer and help and do something that you normally wouldn't for the positive. Uh, Gabe, do you got any questions, input at the moment? Yeah, man. Um, so you guys are talking about like how people just don't stop to enjoy life anymore and like it just kind of got me thinking about like when I was growing up like we used to do like block parties man like every family on the block and even like the next block over and and the next block up you just pull out barbecuers and pull them out in the middle of the road and people would barbecue and it was just a big giant potluck and you just cruise around and get what you wanted and then you know they'd be like music bonfires whatever um and i don't think for the past 20 years i've ever seen anything like that to that scale it's just people are so the the world has changed so much that people are just where it's to the point where it's like they care about themselves their their immediate family who's in their house and that's pretty much it you know what i mean and i think that's where a lot of this mental health comes in to play is like we don't we don't have these interactions like we used to. Um, we're not used to strangers reaching out, and then we've we've reached a point in in time and in, in our lives where like pseudo aggressiveness is is the response to like trying to help. You know what I mean? Yeah, good word. Good word. I'll look that up later. <laughs> I remember years ago we used to meet at the Davids' house for a combat volleyball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, TJ's dad used to put that on. It used to be a blast. Oh, That's man, awesome. I got wild. But, well, you know, when you, you talk what, about... This, uh... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, when you know, we talk about gathering, you know, we wanted to address, you know, veteran suicides. You know, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's a selfish way to go. It doesn't solve your problems for anybody out there listening. It just kind of postpones your problems, you know, pushes them on to your parents and questions that will remain unanswered forever. But I kind of have a, a different outlook on that deal is, you know, when you think about mental illness, mental illness, mental health through the, uh, you know, through veterans, I mean, you got to look at who the, who the government's preying on 
for kids to go to boot camp. It's, it's all high school kids. And it's usually kids from broken homes. I mean, they don't have a booth set up, you know, at Yale, you know, for graduation. They're looking for kids at the monster truck rally or, you know, high school kids that are looking for a way to get out of the household. Then they take them and they put them on a plane, they ship them off and they, they, they shave their head and they put them all in one spot and, and you're taught to trust each other, regardless of your race, color, creed, whatever. You know, and, and to be honest with you, the military is the easiest job you will ever have in your life. They, they, they tell you what time to be there. They tell you what to wear. You know, as long as your underwear is up to and touching the left-hand side of your footlocker, they're not going to turn it over. You know, you make it through boot camp. They, uh, they ship you off to someplace else. You meet some more friends, but you become a brotherhood. You know, and then all of a sudden when you reach 24, 25 years old and it's time to separate, you know, they, they put you back out in this shithole we call the world. And you just don't have that, that camaraderie or those people. I mean, people don't treat you the way that you used to have been treated. Yeah, and you, so, can't, you can't talk to people the way that you talk to your buddies and stuff either because, you know, that's and just that's not normal. when them coping skills, you know, come in and, you know, you, you just don't know how to, how to cope in the real world. Yeah, something I heard the other day that I never really paid much attention to that kind of goes along with what you're saying here with, you know, they're coming from broken homes and, uh, you know, homes without dads or homes like that. Um, a lot of kids never learn the difference between like aggressive touch and can't remember what the other uh, term was for it. But, you know, like there's aggressive touching and then there's, you know, like an authoritarian touch that kids don't get a lot in a lot of these broken homes. You know, it's usually just that abusive touching and they don't really understand the difference. Uh, and I only bring this up because a healthy coping mechanism and a way to deal with that. And it's something we do in the military that we learn is, you know, mixed martial arts. Uh, we do McMap and, you know, it is a healthy coping mechanism and it's a good way to learn those boundaries and, you know, you learn how to stop yourself, when to stop yourself and kind of go from there. Um, but it goes along, I thought it goes along with that, you know, you're like, you're saying, you know, coming from broken homes, coming from these bad places and you're absolutely right. Those do end up, we do, we get out and we have no clue how to adjust and adapt to, what normal life is and you're actually behind i mean it's i know that when i you know that when i would come home on leave it would take me honestly about three days to discover why i left in the first place right you know your friends aren't your friends anymore you know they've moved on you know they want to hear war stories but that's stuff that you don't want to talk about right i mean so yeah, they think you're living this completely glamorous life and it's you know it's just just a bad deal all the way around yeah, and in hindsight, I mean, for us, when we look back, we're like, eh, shit, kind of was a glamorous life because I, I miss it. Yeah, well, um, you do. You institutionalized. I mean, that's a, for yeah. lack of a better word. Like Stockholm Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's like exactly the, what it is. <laughs> guys that get out of prison, you know, most of them want to go back because that's what they're used to. That's what they're yeah. comfortable with. And that's yeah, amazing what you can get comfortable with. Yeah, gosh. Uh, I talked to another guy here. I've been reaching out a lot here lately. Um, and he said it's something once we get out of the service and it's something I'd never really thought about. He said, you know, we hated it in the moment, but he said, you know, 
we get out and we grieve for that lifestyle. He's like, and that never, that's never going to go away. Like we're always going to grieve for that way of life because it's a part of us now. And he said that. And I was, I was like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And he said, same with fire service, you know, you get out and you grieve it because you miss it because he, like you said, it's what we know, you know, it's comfortable. It's really easy to get stuck just doing the same thing over and over because you know it and you're comfortable. And the hardest thing I think for a lot of people anymore is stepping outside their comfort zone. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why there's so many veterans that go and join the fire service or police or, you know, you go from active duty to the national guard, for example, you know, Gabe and I both did that. And that's because, you know, you just think that you, you want to get back in that lifestyle back with the, the camaraderie and, and just live that life. It's it, but you know, it feels like nothing's really quite the same, no matter yeah, where you go. I think some of it, just a different scenario. Some of it boils down to just having that service mentality, fellas. Like, some people are born to be in in a service capacity where every day is going to be different. Um, you don't know what you're going to walk into. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be a surprise. And some people thrive on that when other people thrive on the fact that they know that no matter what they walk in on a Monday morning, this is their task list on a Tuesday morning. This is their task list and so on and so forth. Uh, in the service, you don't have that. You don't know what your call outs are going to be. You don't know what's going to happen day to day. You don't know where you're going to be, where you're going to go or what's, what's coming your way. And I think there's a, there's a personality type that thrives on each of those, relationships as it comes to career-wise and um i think where we're having a lot of problems and disconnects with certain veterans and certain people is they leave the service and they join something that's not a service oriented it's more of a task oriented and it's the same task and it's the same monotony every day in and day out um i think Part of the problem is, is once we're released from the military or we get released from service, it doesn't, there's there's nothing there to help us find a secondary or something to fall back on that will, is like a similar job or something that can slowly assimilate us into a different type of job that's no longer service related, which is my two cents. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Gil kind of hit that on the head, too, where he's saying earlier, you know, when you get out, a lot of these guys are coming straight out of high school. They never had a career. They don't even know what they can do outside of the military. You know, I know I had an opportunity to do a couple things before I went into the Marine Corps, um, but it was always kind of service-related, so I knew that's what I wanted to do when I got out. That wasn't, I didn't have a problem with that, trying to figure that out, but most of these kids have no clue what they're capable of. They have no clue what a real job is. And they're just used to that structure that the military provides. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. It's, you know, I always ask the new guy at the fire station, you know, when they come out of the recruit class, you know, hey, what did you do before you got on here? 
And, you know, we used to be a group of older guys, you know, you, average age used to be like 44 years old, you know, for our department and we're a large department and now it's, you know, it's, it's dwindling back down, you know, into the upper twenties. So, but a lot of them kids are like, Oh, you know, I, I answered the phones at a pizza place. Well, I mean, it's yeah, good for thing. you. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much the same thing as, you know, fighting fire or going on a suicide. My next you know? question for him is who are you related to? Because somebody on the job got you this job because you would not be my qualification. You know, if I was the hiring, <laughs> yeah. got to have some sort of a job skill. Yeah. And, you know, and that, well, and that's one of those unique things that I mean with certain departments too, like, uh, our department, um, is one of the few departments we don't really, we don't go to a academy or anything like that where we do all of our training in house and you're doing it, you know, from day one, you're going on calls and dealing with that stuff and you're learning on the job as you go. And we had kind of, uh, so we have a lot of, you know, younger people that, you know, you're like, how'd you end up here? But by large, uh, like you said, our department used to be, you know, it was a bunch of old salty guys. And then it came down in age. I think by the time I was leaving, I, it was like you said, I think upper 20s, you know, for the age gap, as opposed to when I first got on, it was like 45, 50 yeah, and I don't know how much yet that you attain to the, you know, the guys that it just, yeah, the older guys just don't want to put up with the bull crap. Right. You know, yeah, gets I noticed that. Our battalion chief was like, just stay the fuck out of my hair. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, yep, can do. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. No I don't want to see you again till morning. Retirement. Till shift change. Yeah. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, funny story. Yeah, everyone assumed I got my job because of my dad. He's the fire chief now, but uh, no, because uh, all of our hiring was done through civil service, and I had to earn it just like everyone else that got hired on. So, you know, I was I always had to laugh. You know, I had to fight that mentality from day one. I walked in there like you're only here because your dad's just like, ah, oh, shut up. But it's in your genes. I mean, it's it's one of them deals to where you. You do. I mean, a lot. That's kids want to follow their dad, and who doesn't want to be a fireman? You know, when you're right. when you're three years old. Yeah, you no know. one tells you all the shit that comes along with it. No, you just get to drive the million dollar truck and you know do cool stuff. Yeah, cut you holes get in people's ceilings and yeah, wreck cars and punch out the windows and throw a hose through it. And get all the fun. Keys that get cats out of a tree. Yeah, you know, you know. all the good stuff. You ever seen a cat yeah. skeleton in a tree? No. They don't stay. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, as it would turn out, cats don't get stuck in fucking trees. No. Never no. saw one. They get stuck in the gutter every now and then. Yeah. But not not a fucking tree. We what had a big it? rash of uh, ducks in the, in the sewer drains. It's a duck. It can swim. <laughs> It'll come back out. Trust <laughs> Eventually. Me. He's not going to drown. He's fine. Just down there, he's down there ducking off, you know? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of sewer drains, a few years ago, uh, did you guys read that story about those girls that got trapped in a sewer drain when they were playing? I think they were playing like hide and seek or something like that. And these girls got stuck in a sewer drain and they didn't know what to do or how to get help. 
so they posted on Facebook they were stuck in the sewer drain instead of using their cell phones to call for help. I'll tell you what, it could have been worse. They could have been uh, like TJ's mom and been stuck in that washer. <laughs> <laughs> they had to come back to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. I'm glad that's where this went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I promise. You know, I promise uh, that wasn't even a pre a pre uh, <laughs> pre planned circle back, dude. That was a, that was a solid setup. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So we'll yeah, come back over. Shit. We'll come back over to Gil here. Um, if you had to give any advice to people that are either joining the fire department or getting ready to go into the service, what would that be? Uh Good luck. <laughs> it, it changes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't tell you what the fire service was like. I got out as we were putting women on aircraft carriers, so thank God we didn't have to deal with that whole deal. I just remember one of the guys on the flight line complaining because, you know, Johnny and Susie are making the same amount of money, but he's requiring Johnny to carry four tie-down chains where Susie can only carry two. Now, is Susie smarter? I don't know, but... Yeah, you know, probably, but if she wasn't, he was going to try to knock her up anyway. Yeah, that's just another deal. You know, back then, you know, the pregnancy rate would go up by like 70% or something just before you get underway, you know, for a six-month cruise so they wouldn't have to go. And So it's, I mean, it's. That being said, we love our female military members. Love them. We really do. Love them. There's a place I mean, for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. We couldn't do it without yeah. you. We're glad to we're glad to have everyone. Uh, it, yeah, I'm gonna not go down that road too far. Uh, TJ, what would your advice be? Do your research. Uh, talk to people that are. If you're thinking about joining the military, talk to people that are in that branch of service and doing the job that you want to do, and try to get their honest opinion of what actually happens in that job and what their day to day life is like. Same with the fire service and everything else. You know. You need to do your research and actually hear from people that are doing it rather than just recruiters. Right. Gabe, what do you got? I'm going to kind of agree with TJ, but I'm going to kind of do it differently. Uh, do your research, but also make your own decision. Don't let somebody else weigh your decision and make you do something uh, because you second-guess yourself. If it's something you want to do and you know you want to do it, regardless of of how dangerous it is or what job it is or what the future could hold for you because of the job you choose. Um, don't listen. If it's what you want to do, do it. But do the do the research and figure it out. But make the choice because you made the choice and not somebody else made that choice for you. Yeah, I like that. Uh, for me, uh, I think with the fire department side of it, I would say absolutely do your research. Um, it's not the glamorous life that they portrayed on the movies. That's not what it is. It's not TV shows. Um, do your research and be critical of the research you do. Um, if you're looking at the military today, uh, just don't. That's, uh, that's my advice. Uh, we've got... A great commander-in-chief, and uh, I wouldn't recommend serving under him or a wet dog. 
so uh, that's my advice on that and then we'll do our typical show wrap-up so what we learned from this episode and what I learned was a penis machinist. I thought that was the funniest thing I've heard in about a good two years. Gabe. Uh, I learned that TJ's mom needs to learn how to use a, a washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. TJ. I think before I do my wrap-up, I want to ask Gil if there's anything that stands out to you back when I was at your house every weekend. Some, something stupid or, you know, some wild shit that, that we did. Uh, I don't know if it was... I don't know if it would have been stupid. But, of course, you probably got... You know, if you were the one doing the stupid shit, then you probably remember a lot better than I did. But. <laughs> You know, I remember it was teenage boys, and there was, I mean, it's uh, probably one of the reasons you've turned out as well as you have, because this goes right back to social media. Stupidity is supposed to hurt, and I think that is something that that we need to teach the kids nowadays. I mean, whether it's Facebook or whatever, if you're going to get on there, you, you got to be held responsible for what you're putting out. Stupidity is supposed to hurt. When it yeah, no longer hurts, have. you're not learning anything. This should be a new job for somebody is just to stand behind somebody. Like we should try to make like an app or a device. So if you post some stupid shit, you just get a good wrap side the back of the head. I think that'd be great. It'd, it'd help you. It'd help somebody for uh, sure. I mean, so one of us is going to feel better. <laughs> yeah, I'd feel better. Absolutely. If I could get a job doing that, just smacking people upside the head, that'd be awesome. No, karma's a bitch. Yeah, it sure is. Just the Will Smith of Facebook. That's that's what you want to be, huh? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. How did he not make your current events? Oh, yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, Will Smith, <laughs> I did see this. He got banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Yeah. The irony of that deal is he stepped down last week. He Whatever that Actors Guild is that hands out the Oscars... He didn't. Yeah, he, 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 res, he resigned from their organization. Yeah, so of course he's not going to get an Oscar. Yeah, that's my favorite part about. It. No one gives a shit about the Oscars anyway. It's it didn't matter what I thought about who should win anyway. It's about who they think should win. Yeah. They're picking, choosing between each other. Fuck them. Had he had not hit Chris Rock, I wouldn't even know they were on. Yeah, I wouldn't have either. But it sure did make for some interesting memes, and that's really oh, yeah. all that matters. See, that's why it happened though. You gotta slap Kiss Rock. That way, people know that the Oscars are happening. Yeah, they, they yeah. need their ratings to go back up. He barely fucking got him. He used the tip of his fingers, caught the corner of Chris Rock's jaw. Yeah, pretty weak punch for somebody that played Ali, right? Uh-huh. And then, yeah, <laughs> and you know, to Will Smith's credit, uh. He is being abused by Jada Pinkett Smith, so, I mean, I gotta stand up for him a little bit. Abuse happens to men, too. Oh, yeah. And he's not Tupac, so, you know, Jada just doesn't give a shit about him. I'm just glad the rest of her boyfriends didn't storm the stage. (laughs) Yeah, Tupac couldn't, because he was dead. Well, I was gonna gonna say, like, 
So he smacks a comedian for doing what comedians do, cracking a joke, but he doesn't smack... Right after he laughs at the joke. But he doesn't smack the, the rapper that's pegging his wife behind his back openly. Like, come on, dude. Yeah, it's not even behind his back. It's right in front of him. What a cuck. <laughs> it's probably behind her back, but that's for another story. Yeah. She don't use the washer either. God. Yeah. She has no excuses. She doesn't even have to. Yeah. They've got maids for that shit. The maid gets stuck in the washer. That's where Will should be. Stuck in the washer? <laughs> yeah, probably. Maybe she's pegging him. That might actually be a lot of what's going on. That would not surprise me if that came out. Yeah, she said he's terrible in bed, and that's why she was pegging, uh, what is his name, August? Or... August. That, that sound right? Yeah. So you're saying oh. he's, he's terrible, so he's, he's, he's bad in bed, and he always has been, always will be, so he's a bad boy for life? Yeah, you could say he's a bad boy for life, or... You know, you could say he's a West Philadelphia born and raised, but either way you spin it. Either way. Either way. Let's uh, move on. Cause I, was, would, I was over the Will Smith thing 24 seconds after it fucking happened. Well, hold on. Just one more thing. I think she was just jealous that he kisses his son better than he kisses her. Mm-hmm. I guess I missed that one. I don't know. Uh, Google, Google. Is, it's a, it's a whole thing. Google is fun. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Hit that old yeah. Google machine and she, figure it out, bud. But we'll take off where we were, and that was uh, you. What were your final words here, uh, TJ? I was just going to encourage people to look into their American Legion posts in their uh, area and see how they can get involved and how they could help and things like that, and um, especially if you are a veteran and you're younger, uh, I think it would probably be a good idea to just get in there and uh, figure it all out, you know? Yeah, I like that. And, Gil, what, do you, what are your final words of encouragement? Uh, I think that uh, if, if you're considering being one of them 22, just find help, man. You, you've survived 100% of your bad days so far. You know, reach out, find some help, find a hobby, do whatever. I mean, do whatever it takes to, to, to get past it. There's plenty of help out there, and there's plenty of people that, you know, that can relate to what you're going through. Yeah, I, I love that. That was uh, probably one of the best ways I've heard that put, is that you've survived 100% of your bad days up till now. And that's just fantastic. Um, that being said, um, we would encourage you guys, if you're ever having a bad day, reach out to us. Um, we're going to be available 24, seven, 365, uh, any time you need anything, just let us know. And if we can't help you, we'll try to get you in touch with somebody that can help you. Um, I can personally speak up, you know, these guys have gotten me through the last few days. I've been in a slump and, you know, it's taken them to lift me up and get me back on my feet. And, you know, I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps by myself it's pretty much impossible to do so uh if you guys need anything reach out to us um find us on facebook we're at the never broken society of misfits uh, we're on instagram forever broken uh, we're on snapchat i believe uh, we've got 
anywhere you can find people on social media, we should pretty much be there. Uh, hit up Joe Mingo, four twenty one on on uh, TikTok, I believe. Um, we're on Twitch, YouTube, so be sure to hit us up. Uh, please like, review us on iTunes, or if you're listening on um, what is that Spotify, give us a five star or four star, whatever. Uh, let us know what you guys want to hear. Let us know um, what you want from us. And we're going to take that constructive criticism and build on it and learn from it. So I appreciate everyone tuning in this week. And until uh, next time, we've uh, had a great time. I appreciate you all. I'd like to take a minute to thank Gil for coming on and taking time out of his day to share his story with us. So thank you, Gil. Not a problem. Anytime. Yeah, absolutely.